A white haze covers and flows across your vision. You feel the air is heavy with moisture as it slowly blows across your skin. You watch some of the grey textures move and shift with the wind as you realise you're in the clouds. Flying through, unable to tell which way is up or down, but the freedom of this allows you to escape from whatever has been weighing you down. For here, you are without the responsibilities of the everyday mundane. You zip through gaps in the clouds and dive into thick parts before finally emerging from the haze. You see hundreds of feet below you in a world you've never seen before. You see impressive mountains stretching up as if reaching out towards you. Cities containing elaborate structures and seas alive with creatures you've never even dreamed of. A new world to explore, full of magic and opportunity. So where will you go first? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Take one, go. <laughs> Why does this feel like it, it? the first one went so much better and we're just getting worse? Um, you can't say that. We're only on episode two. You can't say we're getting worse until there's a trend. You can't see a trend in two episodes. We're doing fine. What are we talking about today? Oh, wait, no. Before we say that, we have to get in the hyperdrive fantasy thingy. Otherwise, how will we know what we're talking about today? We're in the wrong place. To the fancy well, hyperdrive. Woo woo woo. Dilly <laughs> Wow, we're in somewhere else now. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> Me too. What are we talking about? It's written in the sky. It's written in the skies. We're talking about world building. World building. Do you want to build a world? I can't remember what I said the best. (laughs) Yes, that's right, listeners, in case you didn't realise we tried to record this bit twice, because we suck. (laughs) Uh, World building, go. World building. So, there's lots of things you can do when it comes to world building. Um, And the first one I'm going to talk about is one that is possibly the easiest for new peoples. And that's pre-written campaigns. Pre-written campaigns. Pre-written campaigns and pre-written worlds. Sounds exciting. It is. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, if you're not wanting to um, make uh, a world all on your own, or if you just don't have the time, because making worlds and running games does take up a lot of time, um... 
there's lots of different campaigns out there that you can pick from and they've got everything you need and all you need to do is just read through follow the guide and then when you get more confident uh, after running a few sessions you don't have to stick to it uh, you can just use it as a base and you can put your own twist on them nice I, uh, being a massive noob at D&D still I've heard of precisely one of these and that's Curse of Strahd. Yes. That's like a horror-y, vampire-y thing, right? That is very much a horror-y, vampire-y thing. Well, there you go. You like horror-y, vampire stuff? Curse of Strahd. That's all I got for you. That is... <laughs> it's... I started playing it, but unfortunately the group fell apart. Um, it wasn't my particular kind of game I would like to play but it, it, it is very good for people who like the more spooky side of things um, and it is very brutal on the players it's a lot less swashbuckly we're the heroes all the time um, ad- adventures made for your level it is a pretty much open world you go places and four times out of five or whatever, you, you're probably best just running away because that thing is going to kill you. Sounds like Dark Souls. Yeah. Is it D&D Dark Souls? <laughs> That's one way to put it, I suppose. Um, Interesting. But there are lots of other ones. Um, the main one I know is um, Giant Slayer, which is actually a Pathfinder adventure path. Um, you dare mention other RPG systems on this podcast? That is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are they are incredibly well written, and I do believe they it gives you leniency to still run it how you would like. And like I say, you can put your own spin on things um and make it your own and each different player will play through it differently so even if you go and talk to other people who have played through them you're gonna have different experiences so it's it's a good way to go do you know like how how in depth they go because i like with my preparations i don't know why i said that so really preparations (laughs) um one of the things that is most likely i feel to uh halt a session in its tracks and make me delay for a week is when you get to a new area and I've just got nothing at all prepared for it like in detail terms <laughs> does it go into like this is the town that exists here and it has this facilities and these people I've never read the books I've listened to other people play the campaign um, but I did do a pre-written one shot and it does have details of some of the characters, some of the important NPCs. Um, it has, for, for different events that could happen, like uh, competitions, it gives you rule sets for those um, and examples of how things can go. Um, and I believe it does detail towns and, and where to go. It, I don't believe it tells you much about the outside of the campaign would lie. It probably gives you a brief description of the world, um, but I think it mainly details on where you're going and who's going to be important and who's story-based. 
but yeah. makes sense. So that's option one. If yeah, you uh, you want to run a campaign, you don't have all the free time in the universe, like uh, the sad person that I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just take your world, and it's like a cookie cookie. You can tell I I can speak well today. Yes. Um, cookie cutter, and you know you just make your own campaign, and then you and your players make it your own. Yes, but if Magical. you do. If you do want to tell your own story, but still don't want to come up with the necessarily the the whole continent and history and gods and everything, you can find a pre-made world, which is another option, um, and just build a story within that. Um, See, this one I kind of have more to say on, because my campaign is technically homebrew, but it's not my homebrew. I mentioned last time that uh, it's based on Yogscast High Rollers, Eros. So having watched that myself, it's basically that world, but at the same time, because I'm not that DM, I'm not Sherlock Mark Humes, <laughs> I don't know what everything was going on in his mind when he made most of it, so I'm homebrewing everything else about it. <laughs> um, so like the towns and the continents and all that stuff, they already existed, but half yeah. the continents haven't been visited in that campaign, so I'm making them up. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mix of pre-made and homebrewed um, but yeah. you probably know more about this because Eberron Eberron so yeah um, so I kind of run in Eberron so I'm using the basic Eberron gods um, and the fact that they have more advanced technology um, however I have made my own continent and world so I've made the world and then the got into details on the continent that we're actually in. Um, and I don't have... Uh, so in Eberron there are dragon-marked houses, but I have not included those in the game that I am running. So it, it is very much a, there are worlds out there that you can pick and choose and take bits from and just <laughs> steal some ideas and make your own... Um, Make your own bits up on the other. I mean, that side goes beyond just D and RPGs. If you want, you could just steal the world of Lord of the Rings. Yep. Or one aspect of the world of Lord of the Rings and mix it with the world of Harry Potter and mix that with the world of the hit BBC series Merlin. Whatever you want. I don't know why that came to my mind. I just remember liking Merlin as a kid. Um, <laughs> and Merlin was great. Merlin was great. Uh, tragic ending. Really, really tragic ending. It made me cry. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is it's so versatile. You can do whatever the heck you want. Um, and if you are lazy is a mean word. I wouldn't say lazy, but cutting corners, maybe. No. Uh, the whole universe of fantasy and fiction is out there to take ideas from, whether or not it's official uh, content from Wizards of the Coast or if it's just your favourite fantasy series. I love high fantasy. Yeah. In fact, my campaign is like, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but my campaign is a mix of all the fucking genres I can think of, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know I know you mentioned about Aroas. I know a lot of people base theirs in Exandria, which is the Critical Role universe. Um, they do have an official book out for that, I believe. Um, you've got Galarian, which is Pathfinder, but also in D&D you've got uh, Dodge Deberon, but Forgotten Realms. So there's there's lots of different worlds out there that you can uh, use as your basis and then make your story around it and go into detail about bits that you want to. 
There's so many possibilities. Indeed. See but if you... the intro from last podcast for more details. <laughs> yeah. But if you're a complete mad lad, or mad, mad lady, lad. Um, you could full on do a homebrew. Um, mad make, lad. Make everything up yourself. I admit, it's fun. Again, I didn't make everything up. I didn't make up the gods. I didn't make up the premise. And I didn't make up the first three towns. But pretty much <laughs> everything else... Admittedly, I haven't gone into detail on everything else because you're only at the second town, but everything else is going to be mine. Uh, nice. And the bits I've done so far have been more fun than ever. It's like... Yeah. I guess there's an element of it where it's like writing a book, but for one thing, you know that your players aren't going to care about minor inconsistencies. <laughs> like tiny little retcons here and there don't matter yeah. um you don't have to worry about you know uh like i suppose you don't have to worry about narrative flow you don't have to worry about it in a from a a script text point of view because you're telling the story through the game rather than through words on a page um <laughs> but like it's just you throw your imagination at this world and whatever works works and it's fun as long as your, your players like it and yeah, I have a blast when I get into the flow of writing things. Oh yeah, definitely, same. Like, uh, um, there was a... I mentioned last time I hate improv. I will say, something I improvised in session like four came to mind before I was preparing for a session two weeks ago, and I turned it into a whole backstory for a whole continent. Oh really? <laughs> Minor spoiler for you, but it's fine. Um, so that's fun. Like, that was just my imagination was like, well, I left that in there. Let's just expand on that. Why the hell not? Don't mind me as I flip back to session four in my notes. <laughs> uh, four was a guess. It might have been five or six. Who knows? <laughs> a little bit um, like that are just a joy to do. It's, it maybe adds a bit of stress, but... Yeah, definitely. When it works, uh, it's uh, it's fabulous. Yeah. I, I must admit that I... Because you guys are in Solver at the minute, at the minute, which is a massive city, like the capital of the country that you're in, and creating that from scratch has both been stressful and just amazing. Because <laughs> watching you guys interact with the NPCs and the environment that I've put before you has been very interesting um, for me and yeah. I'm, I'm excited for things that are coming up <laughs> I that is the perpetual state of a DM in my opinion being excited for things that are coming up yeah. um, namely things that are not coming up for like 10 sessions which is going to take like <laughs> 4 or 5 months knowing us um <laughs> Yeah, another aspect that I love about it is that I find it hard to kind of put myself in the shoes of the pantheons in the pre-made stuff. Mm. Like, I've struggled to sort of understand what the gods are really about. But when you make your own, um, it's a lot easier to be them. And, well, I say be them. I haven't actually had to be them yet. But I know, I feel like I know I would know how to. Um, and I can lay their influence around the world as much as I want. Yeah, And I feel I'm much more comfortable doing that than with someone else's ideas of what the pantheon should be and also this is just a personal nitpick but the fact that there's four billion pantheons in each bloody world in based in d i'm just like no thank you 
No, thank you. <laughs> you all get I the think... same gods. They're actual gods. Deal with it. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why I picked Eberron, is because it does have a smaller deity base. Um, not that you guys... You guys haven't really adventured much into that side of things. Apart but... from the first coming of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Which at this point I'm just going to keep bringing up to annoy you. Uh, so that character, which we're talking about there, uh, he obviously has some kind of connection or belief in the god Bahamut, or deity Bahamut, which I don't think, I don't think I could be wrong, is within the Eberron world, but I've brought that in because that's what he wanted and it fits. So I've kind of switched some things around with the deities and because of that I've read up on other ones and some of the deities don't have a lot of information about them. So for certain bits later on in the story that you'll get to, um, I've had to expand on some of the deities uh-huh. And that has been not an experience that I was wanting to get into, but it's been very interesting to try and get in the head of these great beings who could basically do anything. Uh-huh. I <laughs> mean, on that level of uh, scale or scope, if you like, one of the reasons I immediately chose to go straight to Aroes when doing my own stuff was the fact that Mark Humes specifically made the world include an element of sci-fi which means that maybe eventually you might be leaving the planet and going somewhere else, who knows what the Uh, fuck uh, spoilers Uh, (laughs) big spoilers there uh, kind of (laughs) well maybe eventually you won't be leaving and other people coming to you, who knows, now it's mixed spoilers who knows Anyway, point is, uh, outside of the world of Aroes, I now have a whole universe to play with. Damn. And if there are gods of a planet, how powerful are the gods of the universe? Damn. Damn. That could be fun. And also, um, it means, the fact that Mark Humes did that means that I feel completely comfortable throwing in any other genre I want. So there are going to be tiny aspects of a little bit of like gothic horror at some places, cool. but not too much. There are going to be some aspects of much more traditional high fantasy with like pixies and stuff, and you know classical D and D monstrosities and aberrations and beasts and all those things. Um, and yeah, anytime I think, oh, that's a fun genre, you know, maybe one day I'll watch a western. I'll be like, damn, <laughs> westerns are cool. This place is going to be a cowboy place. Uh, I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Oh, the only problem with Westerns is I've already used the Southern accent. I should have made the Western place the place you're at already. <laughs> or maybe there's going to be two Southern American accent continents and they'll be like, this planet ain't big enough for the both of us and there'll be a war. There you go. <laughs> or it's a cowboy-themed place, but they have a completely different accent. Cow- Irish cowboys. I always get <laughs> <Yeah>. Irish. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the both of us, you know. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. 
I came here to drink my beer and kick ass, and I've just finished <laughs> my beer. That was a terrible accent. It was better the first time. Oh, brilliant. Just make anything Irish is better, if you ask me. <laughs> the Irish are pretty great. Love it. Um, but yes, uh, slightly move us onto a different sub- subject, which is how much do you need to know before you start? And I am curious to ask you when, because you, you obviously had played through this, you've watched this world essentially being played out. Uh-huh. How much of the overall story do you, did you know before starting session one? Uh, well, for one thing, the original campaign still isn't finished. Oh, brilliant. Um, okay. <laughs> the big plot base points and some of the big twists, I obviously know all the ones that exist. Mm-hmm. I decided that I wanted, purely because I remember how overwhelmed I felt watching the first big twist, I've decided that this campaign is loosely railroaded towards that first big twist. Okay. And after that, who the fuck knows what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but for that, like I said, I needed the backstory of all of the gods, the whole history of Arise, uh all the way back from Mark's like pre-sundering stuff and uh, the sundering and the dark war stuff you know about but obviously it's just nonsense to viewers but um, so the whole history of the planet obviously not in detail just loosely uh, and then I added seeds for what could become cool backstories for each player character okay cool and then also very very tiny snippets about the cosmological stuff I was talking about earlier with the gods of the universe rather than the gods of the planet but uh, this is a tiny bit <laughs> tiny little bit okay. little sprinkle, little sorbet <laughs> little sorbet <laughs> um, but evidently yeah the word need to know I knew a lot more than I needed to know but at the, at the same time that stuff's free to change because it doesn't have to be exactly the same as the original yeah um like, there's definitely things about Rosewall and Ironwick that have already changed plenty. Curious. Very curious. <laughs> what about you? Um, so, for me, <laughs> I obviously created the um, continent, um, had a map, I gave you guys some basic info about each place. I know a little bit more about each individual place but not huge amounts of detail um (laughs) gonna be honest the big overall story that i have in place at the moment is not the same that i had in place in session one a lot of it's similar like i'm using the same Obviously, the same starting points because that's where you guys started, and the it's not it's not really changed all that much as it became a small part of a bigger thing. I see. Um, so that's yeah, fun. I, I think I I had more of an idea where you were and where you're starting and what was happening there, and then. A general overall plot of that first, that's now become that first small bit. Um, 
But yeah, there has been a lot added since session one for me. It's like you started writing Avengers Assemble and now you're writing Endgame. <laughs> mm. Basically. Uh, nice. Whereas uh, I started writing Endgame and went, oh fuck, there's so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, but I think I think it is very dependent on the kind of game that you want to run and the kind and each individual DM. Um, yeah. and what ideas you have. Like, if you don't have any ideas, then make it up as you go along. Yeah. Um, I think for me, definitely, I I have a I like suggesting to just have that basic plan of overall stories, so I know bits and pieces that are happening in other places. Not specific details, but I know enough um, about what's going on at what time. And they will only get the detail built on them when you guys decide to head in said directions. I've always got the main points. Um, Big places, big NPCs. Um, But yes. See, there's a moment I mentioned that I'm slightly railroading you towards that first event. There's a moment immediately after that event where it could literally go anywhere and I have no idea where it's going to go. I feel like (laughs) I won't know until maybe the session before it happens. Yeah. Which is scary because then it means I have to, between that session and the next session, expand that entire direction quickly. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's one of the only issues with, well, one of the issues with it, but but also it's fun. Yeah, definitely. It, it means also I get means... to take part in not knowing where the narrative's going. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I do... I do like giving players options to basically just go, you're here, what are you doing? What are you, where are you going? What's happening? <laughs> um, What's happening? What's happening? It's, it's definitely an interesting way. Um, but the next thing is very much linked in adding things as you go. Um, which I think is basically just the same point that we've just been making, to be fair. I mean, we've uh, made it progressively over the last several points. Yeah. <laughs> um, I turned a stupid thing I improvised into an entire backstory. <laughs> yeah. Which is then tied in with one of the characters' backstories and potentially their main character arc. Cool. Spoilers. Oh no, I just thought I just came up with a thing that I thought of that might be the thing, but I'm not gonna say it because I don't want confirmed or denied. <laughs> um, I mean, just because it might be related to the backstory doesn't mean this is a proper spoiler. I don't think I'm I'm not giving away any proper spoilers. Cool, 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 cool. Like even it. when I said you might go to another planet, that's only a might. <laughs> and you always knew it was a possibility because I've told you how a bunch of aliens came to your planet, so Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Um, Spicy. One of the other things I wanted to bring up about this is, is um, I. It's gonna sound really weird, but players are gonna throw curveballs at your plan at any given time. Like, as much as I have prepped, there's always been something that happens, and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do here, so let's just improvise something real quick. But I think I like those moments and taking those curveballs that they've thrown at me and moulding them into something fun and well, 
could potentially build in future things. I mean, you turned one of those moments into like a ten session side quest. <laughs> the caverns. Which then also yeah. seem to tie rather heavily into the main story, which I think is uh, a nice touch. Um, yeah, that was that was second hell of fun. Yeah, that the caverns were always going to be like that group of students that were going into the caverns were always going to find that the specific ruins related to the. Gatekeepers and the Delkia. But <laughs> it was obviously heavily expanded when you guys just decided to go, well, they're obviously going into this place, let's go with them. <laughs> I Five was... minutes after arriving in the city, we looked at like two shops and we see some random group of people who say, we're going to the caverns. And we say, oh, we'll come with you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they were there as a bit of a background thing, a bit of a, oh, you can get a little bit of information and learn about, um, there's some things underneath the city, which is pretty fun, and there is this university here that the students from, and then you guys are like, oh, let's go in, <laughs> okay, <laughs> gonna put oh. these notes to the side for a bit and make some new ones. <laughs> here we are, like, half a year later, we still haven't even had the coronation. <laughs> The coronation that we've been building up to for since session like three. I love it. And we're on session twenty-four. I love it so much. Brilliant. Second is a year to act out two weeks. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Love it. But then, like, oh, I wish we could play every day because then we could actually act out those two weeks in real time. <laughs> but I yeah. Well, uh, so, obviously, after you've made your world, you've made everything, you're getting ready, you're going to start, you've got to introduce your players to the world. Um, and how I did that, I'm going to quickly drop this in here, um, is I had a map and a f- few um, cities and towns on said map with a little bit of information about each of them, about a paragraph. Um, and then I gave that handout to my players and then went, here you go, (laughs) this is the information you have, make some characters. Um, and that was, that was pre-session zero. But the reason I like doing it that way, I'm sorry, I've taken over for a second here. (laughs) Go for it. Is, I've learned that letting the players... Um, create places to go. Oh, I'm from a little a little side town um, that's not on the map from here, and there's this organization that I've been involved in. Having them come up with those and then say, "Is this okay?" and then looking through or reading through it, it gives more opportunities to story ideas and plot points that I wouldn't have thought of before, which um, has since influenced the story a lot. I, I like um, how that's happened. Oh yeah, I've got a few examples of that as well, actually. Yeah. Uh, there was... So I get my, my approach was, I gave a bit more, more detail, I think, because I was like, everyone on this planet is going to know the main history, so I'll just give all the players those basic history notes I had. Uh, everyone's going to know the gods, so here's the seven gods, well, eight, technically. 
Um, and then basically the world is split a little bit society-wise between these sky cities and these lowlands. Where are you from? Um, at which point everyone had their own ideas. There was also the custom class of the um, the Guardians and the Beast Walkers, which contributed to it. And that, that's actually added a lot of it to it as well. Yeah. Added a lot of to it as well. I really can't talk today. I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, uh, the Forest character, he chose to be one of the Beast Walkers, which is basically, it's basically a hand wavy way of saying, you could be a race that's related to any real animal you like without adding a thousand different races like Minotaur, Aracocra, Tabaxi. It's like, you could be all of those just under one header. Um, <laughs> and he was like, cool, I'm going to be a cheetah beast hunter beast walker sorry who is part of a tribe that likes to hunt things and uh i see you've got a god here of the hunt i would like our tribe to worship a champion of the god of the hunt and i honestly really like that idea and it also lets me add characters that are also trying to do the same thing which one of which you met recently called jacob who are like rivals to him and Mm. i don't know it just gave before that the beast walkers were just a race I didn't really have any society ideas to give to them yet. Yeah. They were just sort of there and they existed. But now like there's this tribal element where they live in the lowlands. Uh a whole bunch of them like to hunt. Um Yeah. So that's that's built on an entire race for me, as well as a character backstory. Um likewise with uh the Guardian, who is basically a uh, what are those? What's that race called? I can't remember what it's called because I've never played it. Uh, Warforged. Warforged. Kind of very similar. Um, and But they're also very heavily related to two other gods. And the character who chose to be a guardian was like, well, I want to be an old champion of one of those gods who fought in the war uh, thousands or well, hundreds of years ago. And boom, there's a whole other backstory, an expansion. Uh, a city that I'm not telling you anything about because spoilers. Um, <laughs> an order of knights came out of that. All sorts of fun stuff. And yeah, I, I do think giving your players options to add stuff helps. Uh, in fact, another one, Ark, who chose to be a dwarf, asked if he could just add another god. And I was like, sure. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of handwaviness about how I'm handling that. Okay. Um, he essentially added a whole god to the world, which is fun. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. It's just... At the end of the day, one imagination is powerful enough. Why not use everyone's? Yeah, definitely. So powerful. So powerful. It is a uh, group storytelling manner, so... Uh, Obviously, there's limits to the control, because otherwise too many chefs spoil the broth, but, you know. Yeah. Ideas in the brain yeah. go to the other brain, evolve into more ideas. They bloom like a flower. <laughs> Like a flower. That's all I got. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, building on that, it definitely doing that and talking to your players and having them create their backstories in the world. Um, it also, before the games even started, sparked some investment and started them making and contributing to the story which is great yeah it helps to get them invested as well which uh it is a good sort of it'd be kind of 
awkward if you just threw them in this world in session zero or session one and be like, cool, stuff's happening. And they're like, well, there's no momentum. I don't know what's going on. Whereas actually giving them information and letting them contribute and sort of mingling those ideas together almost feels like you started a jog. And everyone knows what yeah. they're doing. I'm a bit more comfortable with the RP and what what's what's going on. Yeah, Chalak. There is a game, a tabletop game, that is meant to be one one session, um, and it's called The Quiet Year. Uh, this lets you work with your players, and you all actually work together to build a world before you start um, with your characters that you're playing and building into a campaign um, it is a game literally just to create your world. I think it's post-apocalyptic um, but you could always bend that to however you wanted to. I'm not 100% sure how it works but at some point I think that could be a good um, good idea to try out. This um, sounds almost exactly the opposite of a different game I know called Everyone is John. <laughs> right? In Everyone is John, there is one character, and there's one DM, a character is thrown into some random world, and each person takes turns possessing that character, and they have to try and complete a goal. Okay, that's Just thought I'd add that in. It's got nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but it's like exactly (laughs) the opposite of what you were talking about to me. Yeah. You just get given a secret goal, like it's like random, like swim with a dolphin, and you have to work out how to do that in the town you're in within like three hours. (laughs) In the short space oh. of time where you're actually controlling Jean. Oh, that sounds amazing. I saw one in a, a live stream once where their goal was to summon Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to go to a, a library or, or a bookshop or something and try and find the Necronomicon. And oh, then sacrifice amazing. whatever it is you need to sacrifice. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, amazing. I love it. But that's uh, completely got nothing to do with anything. But it's also fun. It is very fun. Um, so I think we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll shift our focus um, onto the last point of uh, DM discussions. Um, detailing places to your players and making your world come alive. This is where I humbly bow to your superior skills. <laughs> right. Before you start defending yourself with saying, I'm not that good. Fine. <laughs> Uh, describe to us a library in the city we're in. This was months and months ago. Uh, she gave us this amazing visual description of what it looked like. Um, and then we went off and did other things. I'm pretty sure it was... Was it then that we went to the mines or did we just have a break and do other stuff for a while? I can't remember. Point is, months later, at least like three months later... Um, we ended up going back there. I was like, I remember what this looks like. And after that session... I said to Pine, I bet I can draw what this looks like in paint. And if you draw it as well, we'll compare them and I bet they'll look the same. And down to the fact that I'm terrible at using a mouse to draw in paint, they looked identical. (laughs) That's how good Pine's description of what that library looked like. Uh, The end. (laughs) I I appreciate, um, I I suppose my only defence I can use now is... um, little bit more experienced DMing. <laughs> um, still, it's fucking impressive. I, I appreciate Three months it. later, I still remember vividly the image you conjured in my brain. I, that is, it. it is an amazing compliment 
to have because specifically that library was one of the first places I made and just had a crystal clear image of my in my head of what I wanted it to look like. And so I I tried so hard to put that into words so that I could describe it and show everyone the thing that I made. I wanted to show off the thing that I made. And it's to know that you imagined it exact, pretty much exactly how I imagined it is like, yes, I got it across. I mean, honestly, it's inspired me. I made loads more effort um, to describe some of the things in Aroa since we had that little paint drawing thing. Um, oh. To my own success, a little bit, now I'm humbly bragging, in that uh, <laughs> one of my friends, one of the players who absolutely adores Lord of the Rings, said that my description was Tolkien-like. And I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that was good. I liked that. That was a very good description. And in fact, I am actually uh, using our fourth section of the podcast, I'm jumping ahead a bit, the quick RP section, to practice mm-hmm. my descriptive skills. Not necessarily just of like landscapes and rooms and big buildings, but of everything. So maybe what I do later will be a little fun. Uh, but that's beside the point and jumping the gun so carry on I'm looking forward to it though Um, the big thing for me is I can't I I know that I would trip over my own words trying to describe these things on the spot so I always when I'm taking you to a specific place um, I always have pre-written descriptions yeah, in um, this we are the same. I could not yes. even begin to describe some of these mental images if I didn't have it written down beforehand. Yeah, I have a I have a problem. You may have noticed in this very podcast, I have a problem with saying words on demand. Um, <gasps> often it's the case where I'm looking for an adjective and I haven't got a bloody clue what that adjective is, even though my brain can remember what letter it starts with and exactly what it means. But I'll just be sitting there like, "What's that word?" You know, yeah. it means golden and starts with a P. I'm making up. That's not actually a real word, but you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, part of my prep is definitely if there's a description, I'm writing some paragraphs about it. Yeah, In fact, definitely. the thing I'm writing later is basically all going to be me reading stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm happy. I don't mind that. It's maybe a tiny bit time consuming, but I think it proves provides significantly better results for me at least, and by the sounds yeah. of it for you as well. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the other things that's really important in making a world come alive um, is also the NPCs that you put into it. Um, For me, when I'm making an NPC, um, this is actually a recent addition um, that I've started doing, um, which is I will give... I'll, I'll write a name... I will give a, a basic physical description um, or found um, an image somewhere um, that I'm basing it off. Um, I will also now detail places they like to visit and if they've got any family around. Like, just very basics. Um, and I will also give myself a little, a little section that tells me what kind of voice they have just for my own reference, so if they come up later, I can be like, "What was my note about that voice?" So I could try and so I could try and do it again. 
I think it just, yeah, I think it, for me, it helps um, put those characters in the world and it's not just a random NPC you've come across. It's it's someone who lives there. Um, Even if um, players don't ask or don't see them again, even if it's just that I see it, I'm like, yeah, this this NPC is here and this is their motives and um, this is what their goals are. Ah, the NPCs. I think that is like that is in common with all three of our campaigns. Uh, obviously, two of them have pretty much the same player base, but mine has a <laughs> few extras. Um, yeah. But in all of them, basically adopted NPCs or want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Let Rachel come with us and also maybe Laura. You're going to have to do some heavy convincing. Not well, to me. Well, if you don't do it, how about this? If you don't do it, I'll kill Valor. Um, <laughs> excuse you? Lol. <laughs> could you imagine if I was that cruel? Um, could you imagine? Wink, wink. No, I'm joking. Um, well, yeah. definitely not coming with you now. Oh, well, then Valor's not coming with you. How about that? Um, but yeah, I love your NPCs. I love forest NPCs. Uh, it's good stuff. It's good yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, you could you know I love your NPCs. Um, obviously, Amnesty has practically adopted Valor in a, a very protective way. <laughs> Um, yeah, it feels like a protective, much older sister to me. Yeah, basically. She's like, I have this I protect her. This is good human, must protect. This is small bean. She shall be my small bean. <laughs> and I will show her the way of the world. <laughs> I shall call her beanie. <laughs> um, but even Merrick, um, I like what you did with him and yeah, if, if Amnesty ever does meet up with them again, she's already said she's going to go get a beer with them. Yeah. yeah Love a good NPCs. NPC. Are, it's like, it's so easy to make them similar to how they end up being in uh, a lot of video games, like especially Skyrim. Where it's like, you go here, they say, oh, there's a problem with this. Could you do this for 50 gold? And yeah. you go off and do the quest and you come back. Or you escort someone somewhere, or you know, but uh, real NPCs are the where it's at. Like uh, I think The Witcher does it much better, like with Yennefer and Ciri, and yeah. Uh, oh, what's his proper name? Oh no, in the games he's called Dandelion, isn't he? But in the books and yeah, other stuff he's he's Jaskier. Yes, yeah, yeah. I know Witcher <laughs> ish. I kind of speed ran Witcher through, not speed run. Anyway, that's besides the point. I keep getting uh, off the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think um, a good NPC is a great way to get players involved, especially if they're reoccurring. Uh, yeah. yeah. I guess I'm kind of experimenting with one of mine as well, uh, in a way that I'm not going to tell you about now. If maybe we remember this conversation in like six months' time, I might tell you about it then, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a thing going on. Okay, interesting, interesting. That maybe isn't going on so much with NPCs in your awesome forest campaign that I know of. You might be doing the same. Who knows? Who Curious. Knows? Who knows? Is it time to board 
Why do I keep forgetting what it's called? This is going to be a meme now. I forget what it's called every time. <laughs> the <laughs> fantasy space car. <laughs> I'm going to call it something like on purpose now. Let's go to the fantasy <laughs> space car. Brum, brum. Woohoo! Brum! It's <laughs> player moments time. You first. Because uh, mine's a thing. Okay. Mine's a whole thing. Okay. I got a thing. It's a fun thing. Well, <laughs> it's, it's gonna. So, its favorite moment in a weird way. Because. I mean, Valor... we don't have to be strict to the title. We could just call it highlights. Yeah. So, Valor, which we mentioned, um, our group has adopted. And that is because we were traveling with them. But they had two caretakers beforehand, um, and for the, I just for some reason can't remember the names now. Um, You've forgotten brother, Yus- brother Yusuf. I was about to get it wrong. Brother Corin <laughs> and sister Yusuf. <laughs> Those two, yeah, they have two people. Um, unfortunately, they passed away. They were murdered. Um, and. Um, well, Valor was taken, but that was a whole thing. Anyway, the point. we had You had a funeral for them in the city that we were in. Um, and the reason this is a highlight for me is because I feel like sometimes when NPCs or characters die, it can be brushed over quite easily. Um, it's just, uh, uh, well, we're not going to be able to talk to them again. They're dead, right? Moving on. Um Whereas before we left the city, we went to the church and we watched, we took part in the ceremony um, for them. And I think that was a really deep and important moment um, for a a lot of the players who were there. Um, And yeah, I I just liked that that was included and it wasn't just quickly brushed over, it was... We get to go say our goodbyes. Well, I am humbly heartwarmed because that's like that was not in the original. And I had it myself. It was great. I loved it. Basically, I'm better than Mark Humes. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a could be a bigger lie. Uh, I see you have two points. I do have a second point. Um, I don't know whether I could do two points, but I do have a second point. Could do slightly a brighter note. You can do two points. You can do four points as long as they don't take up years. It's our <laughs> podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Screw you, viewers. You're listening to more. <laughs> viewers, listeners, whatever. Carry on. This, you single listener who's listening right now, I see you. I see you. You're you what? You're gonna listen to this second point and you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another moment, I, this is the same reason, I think this is why I included it as a second point, it's the same reason, was when we camped. And again, this can be very easily brushed over and, right, you camp, who's doing watches, where you're going, like, wake up, what happens next? But I enjoyed it because we had Forrest's character, uh, Imazuma, and um, he went out and hunted, and then came back with several birds, um, got one of the players to help him um, uh, prep and cook 
the meal. I thought that was really good that we included that, and it was it did make for a fun moment as well. Um, and then also it was we got to see a little bit of Amnesty training Valor to do some combat, uh, so she can defend herself a bit easier. I Having mean, she's just got magic, but... as you said. Huh? Having just been kids kidnapped, as you briefly yeah. mentioned a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be her to be able to protect herself. And he, I'm not trained in magic, so I can't train her to do that. So I'm going to teach her some martial stuff. <laughs> um, and there was a little bit of RP between uh, Amnesty and Imazuma that we got out of that as well. I thought that was a, a really great moment, and. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we had that, and I'd like to do more campfire chats um, in the future. I think that was good. I do. I'm glad you say that because I do sometimes question the number of times I say, "You're where you are." If there's anything you want to say, do RP, do it. I feel like you know, there's often a few, not long awkward silences, but moments of silence where no one really knows what to say for a second. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. Maybe once every three times I do that, there's a fun moment that happens, so I don't want to miss out on those. Yeah, uh, definitely. I I like to offer those opportunities up to people as well. Um, a lot of the times they are they aren't taken, but when when they are, it, it does make for some some fun times. <laughs> my turn. I'm going to do two as well, even though I didn't write down two. Um, okay. But mine are much more selfish than yours because mine are entirely to do with. Uh, big character arc moments because um, like as much as i love the everyday side of D, where you go through you do combat you do skill roles you rp with people when you learn a big thing about your character that you didn't know things that would be like a <gasps> moment in a film or in a book like yeah. the cool plot twists and things like that my god does it feel good um, yeah. so one of them which was actually quite a while ago now was in Forest Campaign where uh, our characters are called drifters in that we've been teleported to Forest Homebrew World from some other universe uh, and we're here to bring about a new age and a new god and there's all this lore behind it, it's all fantastic stuff and each of us, uh, well so far it's only been me because we've been really slow at getting around to doing it but each of us has an opportunity to be, to be sworn in as a drifter to the god that we're going to help service under and so there was this amazing scene where in this big church in one of the cities with like most of the population of the city inside it, I was like sworn in before uh, the Jamari god, Taraxi and Taraxi, gods rather, god, twin gods. Uh, I was given this cool amulet, I gained a new ability and I was generally just sitting there throughout this whole thing. All the other players just sitting in silence because it had nothing to do with them and I was just like, this is fun and special. I love this. Um, <laughs> and I, I was just sort of, I don't know, it felt big. It felt big. Um, yeah. And in the same manner, my second one is from, was it your last session? Yes. It was yeah, your last the session. the very beginning. Uh, oh, yeah, it was right at the beginning. My character in, in Pine Session, Nerathor, has amnesia and doesn't remember anything that happened before, like five years ago. Uh, and I basically just said to Pine, run with that. Um, <laughs> and so I've had, is it two or three now? This is, was the second. This is the third. This is the, I thought it was three. Uh, this is the third flashback I've had. And 
Um, I don't know. Again, it comes down to your descriptive abilities. Uh, it comes down to the fact that you're telling me I have memories of characters I don't have a clue about. Uh, I don't know. It's just every time I get lost in the moments and I feel amazing afterwards. And I fucking love it. <laughs> in yes. fact, uh, I've just remembered because I didn't want to be taking notes during it because I wanted to lose myself in the moment. I took a instant replay of the moment that Pine described this. So we might include a snippet in the podcast right now. Go. Arathor, you see Cora before you and you're filled with this sense of joy. And as you're dancing with her, a light catches your eye for a second, impairing your vision. You blink to clear it and you you no longer see Cora in front of you. Instead, you see a young Satyr woman. You're in an ornate ballroom, long black pillars stretch high uh, with ivy spiralling around them, up and meeting the plant-covered ceiling. The room is large and circular, made of what appears to be grey stone, with rich green plants covering the walls, forming the details and trim. The room is full of people in extravagant and elegant dresses and and suits, currently in the middle of a waltz that is graceful but simple, a dance designed for introductions and short conversations where you switch partners regularly. As you're finishing one section of the dance, you are about to switch part- partners and the satyr woman flows with the dance to lean in closer and quietly says you're doing great relax and as she gives you a smile she lets go of your hand and with a smooth spin finds the hand of her new partner you realize that she wasn't speaking in common you don't know what language it was but you understood it you turn to look towards your next partner, a woman with long, bushy ginger hair. Uh, but as you look towards her, you hear a crash of thunder. And with this crash of thunder, your vision flashes. You are no longer in the ballroom. Darkness fills whatever space you're in now. The woman you see before you is draped in shadow, blue smoke emitting off her body. You don't see any details on her face or or the form, just the humanoid shape and her hair floating out and around her. And as as you see, two eyes slowly begin to glow. Make a charisma saving throw. Thanks, roll. Is... <laughs> 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 Fucking dick. <laughs> you're, you're unable to pull yourself from this, this vision or memory. You see the eyes glow brighter. 
along with the smoke around her body, it grows and becomes more intense. You get the impression she's saying something, but you can't hear her. You start to feel pain in your head, like a splitting headache. In this moment, you know you're watching a memory. You're conscious and aware. The pain in your head isn't you remembering pain. You truly, in this moment, feel it. A purple light slowly begins to encompass your vision, and with it, the pain starts to dim. You find comfort in this unknown presence encompassing you, but it's also separating you from this memory. What do you do? And we're back. Cool. I will uh, add as a side point, there was like five paragraphs of description of what other characters were doing before <laughs> your capture started, just captured your... I did say my there. moment was a selfish one. I know, I know. But I was... <laughs> the other reason I bring that up is because I really enjoyed writing that bit of description because it wasn't it wasn't just like the flashback for you it was you guys were about to emerge on a battlefield and before we just started the the um session and just jumped straight into combat it was just a little second of ref- well minute of reflection um for each of the characters that happened like the last couple of days and I, I, I must admit, I was kind of proud of myself of, with coming up with that because I did it um, the day of. I wrote oh, nice. it the day of. Yeah. I, you've done those a couple of times, and I do like the way you do it, like filmically, and that you give us a a nondescript third person perspective that all this is happening on. It's like watching a the previously on moment before a TV show, but you always do it in like a really emotional, dramatic way, rather than just a boom, this happened, boom, this happened. Yeah, it's fun. I, uh, I like it. I'm glad because I think you you either started on um the session with the first time that I did that sort of scene, or it was the session before you joined. I do remember there being one very early. Yes, I think that was yeah, and I was I'm I'm always so nervous when I do them, but that was that was my first one, and I, oh my god, shaking. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't be because I know that's useless, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, yeah, so I'm glad that you enjoy them because that means it's worth it. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. It is, I believe, time for our final journey on the rocket ship of inter-podcast section <laughs> travel. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> wow, we're somewhere else. Wow. Look at this amazing place. Oh, I I'm think, nervous about this bit. I think we're in the sky city of Horizon. <gasps> and I think... We're some years in the past from my campaign, a time before Amnesty was Amnesty, and she was known by her birth name of Reza, which I hope I'm pronouncing right. Yes. For context, uh, because this is a flashbacky run, uh, Pine has 
none of her leveled abilities and purely is running on her stat block that she rolled through dice with no proficiencies. Uh, unless they're racial, I suppose. If you can work out which of your proficiencies are racial, you can keep those. Um, if there even are any. I can't remember if yeah. racist gives you proficiency in anything. Whatever. Uh, and <laughs> because these are previous events and have less flexibility of anything happening, it's going to be uh, a very railroady section of RP where I basically just say, here's what's happening. You have a few minor choices and this is what happens after you make those choices, as opposed to the more openness we normally have in our sessions. Um, yes, so... It's basically, basically going to be me talking for most of it. You can throw in some dialogue here and there and maybe do a roll. Okay. Hope you still uh, have fun. Yeah, I will. Uh, the one thing I will say is just, just for these moments in future, don't base our whole DMing careers off the little snippets you see here. <laughs> Indeed, because yeah, this is an entirely different style of anything. Um, it's aimed at one character. As I said, it's more railroady. Who the hell knows how it's going to go? I think it's all right. So, just to remind you, Riza is what roughly coming up to eighteen at this point. Uh, okay. Probably a bit disheartened by the tediousness of life on the Sky City, uh, where <laughs> everything's all about law and order and social justice, and there's no adventure. No and, adventure. Uh, she's getting herself Good into dear. trouble here and there. And with that, I shall begin. Your heartbeat pounds in time with your thumping footsteps as you sprint between buildings and down narrow avenues. You allow the packed, sprawling lower tier of the Sky City of Horizon to fall behind you as you vault over small fences, leap up stairways several steps at a time, and race to put distance between you and your pursuers. The Sky City is divided into four distinct regions, each surrounding the last in a very deliberate concentric rings, giving the city a rough shape not unlike a wedding cake. Uh, having escaped the lowest tier, consisting of the city's vast trade district, uh, a place littered with ports and warehouses and certainly a place where one might find more than your fair share of criminal activity in the form of smuggling rings and shady business dealings, you wind your way through the suburban streets of Lower West Town on the third tier, beelining for the nearest highway where you know you'll be able to hop on an Ethereum bus, the public transport vehicles powered by the magically infused material known as Ethereum that the Sky Cities are famous for. At that point, you'll be charging ahead and putting miles between yourself and those chasing you, which means you'll be quickly making your way into the busy commercial hub of the second tier, and they'll have no chance of knowing where you'll end up. As you run, you glance over your shoulder to check for signs of them behind you, but unfortunately your foot lands awkwardly on the uneven cobblestones. Your tail swings wildly trying to compensate for your balance, but it's no use, and you faceplant the road painfully, grazing the skin of your forehead slightly. You blink the pain away and turn back to see a male Asimar with pale grey skin and dark eyes point at you and call him to his associate. For he continues his rush towards you, the navy blue long coat of his uniform fluttering behind him as he accelerates towards you. A brown furred tabaxi in similar attire speeds into view 30 feet behind him, who in turn is 50 feet behind you. Turning back towards your planned destination, you know of three options. 
you have the long cobblestone road before you that will lead directly to the highway. An alleyway with a tall locked mesh gate to your left which will lead to a local park which you are familiar with numerous hiding places. Or behind the houses to your right you can jump the low fences there's a river which you can hijack the current of to carry you downstream taking you back on yourself in an attempt to confuse the two policemen chasing you. What do you do? Oh fuck. Um... I go to the park. You're going to the park. Going to the park. Nice. Uh, You throw yourself into a climb to scramble over the gate. Can I have an athletics check, please? Fuck. Okay. Um. So this is basically just going to be adding my base strength, right? Yeah, uh-huh, as far as I can think. Cool, that is 15. That's a pass. Uh, the yes. uh, Tabaxi jumps to follow you as the ASMR catches, Asimar, sorry, catches up. Um, and just as you're scrambling over the, the fence, the Asimar reaches out to grab hold of you, catches a part of your outer clothing. I don't know if you're wearing a jacket or anything like that. Um, but you're, you're climbing this with such like strength and speed that it just rips away in his hand and he just has like a strip of of the material. Um, you jump over the fence and very quickly find yourself surrounded by greenery and you start to zigzag between the hedges and the trees which follow the border of the park, centre of which is just nice open fields with plenty of uh, little um, sort of like activity things that you'd expect to find in a park for kids. Uh, some nice flower bed gardens and a little stream. Quickly you make your way towards a familiar willow tree. Uh, You spend many an hour up this tree with a sketch pad, passing entire afternoons, spilling your imagination onto page after page, and so you know exactly where it is and you're very familiar with climbing it. However, I will need another athletics check because you're trying to do so with speed. Oh, even better. 18. There's a moment where your foot almost slips and you feel like it would have scratched itself rather horribly against one of the bulging knots at the bottom of the tree, but you manage to catch yourself before you fall uh, and you scramble up the trunk and perch yourself on a comfortable branch high up, uh, sighing in relief when about 10 seconds or so later the two police officers uh, dart beneath you and continue to, as they believe, chase you. Uh, You give it some time for them to keep running in the wrong direction before you eventually clamber down and make your way home. Some time later, you make your way through the front door of your house, uh, listening carefully to see if anyone's home. You hear nothing and move on to the kitchen. Sitting in one of the chairs, the chair turned to face towards the door, uh, is a tall female tiefling dressed in fairly fine silken robes with the insignia of the city emblazoned on the breast. And she is holding a familiar scrap of cloth, which was ripped from your jacket hours ago. 
and she... your mother is looking at you with not the happiest expression. Uh, it's been this a is crazy day. The third time in as many months that you've nearly caused a family scandal. I don't understand what it's going to take for you to see sense. Officer Quickpaw can only cover for you so many times. And do you know how embarrassing it is to be told by one of the family friends that your daughter's being caught stirring trouble again and again near a smuggling ring, no less? You have anything to say? Um... I think she tries to say things, but much like me, it's just like every time she opens her mouth, she's like, that's not the right thing to say. Uh." Your mother continues to lecture you for some minutes and the argument trails into a sort of familiar territory. And eventually she, I wouldn't say she storms off, but she suddenly leaves the room in a bit of a huff, uh, leaving you to sit alone with your thoughts. Um, some minutes pass and the door opens again and you see another tiefling. Uh, a male, bold on the head, but with uh, significantly larger horns than than usual. Leaning against the door frame, your father smiles kindly at you uh, and moves into the room, pouring you each a drink from a jug of water. Hey, Kim. He says, and then sits down. Both of you, I assume, remain in silence for a short period. Yep. You know, your mother's always been known for her temper. He nods knowingly. It's what first caught my attention when we were young, and it, I think it's almost lost her a job more than once. <laughs> the more, not awkward, but certainly not fully comfortable silence permeates the room for a few more moments. Riza, I know you're tired of hearing this, but this city was founded, or I suppose refounded after the revolution, on the principles of peace and freedom and equality. I'm not saying it's perfect. I doubt we'll ever see a perfect community in our lifetime. Politics, justice, social stuff. It's all hard work and we haven't really worked them out yet, but We try, and for the most part, it works. Uh, He pauses and can tell he's choosing his words carefully. By the way, feel free to interject at any point. Cool, okay. I think at the minute she's just kind of, she just sighed and then it's like, has the head on one of her fists, just like, yeah, I've heard this before. (laughs) This life is all your mother ever dreamed of. It's safe here. We're not treated like second-class citizens like some of the people in the lowlands. Or the other sky cities, even. And we even have a say in how things run. It works for her. It works for me. It works for your brother. It doesn't really work for me. I know. And I don't know if I'm reading you right, but as a father... The best I can do is try. Although any sort of 
leans forward a little bit with a grin on his face and looks at you like co-conspiratively. Um, strictly speaking, as far as your mother's concerned, I've never said these words. But Horizon is the best place for us. The three of us. Me, your mother, and your brother. But I might say offhand that for a growing young woman with more curiosity and energy than a newborn kitten I think there's probably somewhere else or maybe many places in Arois where that kitten might belong and at this point you see he's uh, holding back tears and not looking you in the eye they say if you truly love something you know when to let it go and he trails off uh, but I... you don't have to make your mind up now you don't have to make your mind up for a long time I would hope that these acts of rebellion or whatever it is they are could slow down if you perhaps were to look into the future and see yourself somewhere else that suits you better uh, and I would also hope that you give us a warning and would keep in contact but I can tell this place isn't what's best for you. I think Mum might kill me. Till death do us part, I'll handle your mother. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Don't mention it. Literally, don't mention it. Otherwise, she'll kill me as well. <laughs> I think he stands up and gives you a big old hug. And that's pretty much everything I had prepped. Love it. I like that you took that route. Yeah. There were other routes where you would take him back in custody and that would have been awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me the name of the guard that they're friends with. Um, I actually got the wrong one. I meant to say (laughs) the other one. Uh, It's meant to be Sergeant Tarlim is meant to be the Asimar, but I accidentally gave you the name of the Tabaxi, which is Officer Quickpaw. I just love the name Officer Quickpaw. Well, there's a reason behind it, because if you'd taken the route where you ran straight in the cobblestone and tried to outrun them, uh, I was going to have Officer Quickpaw, the Tabaxi, use his racial ability to double his speed and, and stack that with the fact that he's wearing boots of speed, which also oh doubles your speed, and he was going to catch you up in like five seconds. I feel like um, a fair amnesty in that moment, she maybe would have known that. <laughs> Which is why she's like, no, I'm going to go hide. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Ta-da! Well, that, that's cool. I like it. Next time on Flashbacks. Amnesty, is it a pub maybe? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, actually, next time it's my turn. Yes. Do you have any ideas yet? Well... It's an interesting one for you, because as we've mentioned before, you your character has amnesia, and uh-huh. I don't really want to reveal anything in these podcast episodes. I assumed as much. I assumed that anything that does happen would be between him being 19 and 24. Yeah, so it'll definitely be in the space of you waking up and being well, like, where the fuck am I? Wanderer. Wandering alone in the lonely places. All alone. It's potential. We may pick up exactly where you uh, woke up, but we shall see. Exciting times. 
Jeez. Well, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, it's it good. I enjoyed. Go against anything you had in your mind about how Amnesty existed. <laughs> no. Well, backstory. Uh-huh. No, that's good. I think I'm going to have to work on my uh, one-to-one RP. <laughs> I mean, like I said, that was very railroady. There was, what, one decision, two rolls, and a bit of dialogue. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think it kind of works for this format. Yeah, I like Maybe. it. It's good. Did we, did we do a podcast? We did do a podcast. Did we do it? Did we finish? But I think we're, I think this is the end now. Did we end episode two? That's like a hurdle, you know? Like, a lot of people do one and they give up. <gasps> Not us. We Hooray. got to a whole two. <laughs> That's a whole one more than one. Woo! One plus one is two. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm clearly delirious at this point. Um, but yeah, I suppose we'll uh, see you next episode with yeah. another topic. Another vehicle to take us between the sections. And a whole fun thing with Arathor. Hooray! Yeah! The end. The end. Bye! Bye.